We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Wednesday evening, July 6th. The Rudy Gobert introductory press conference was today. And in that press conference and some of the media availability afterwards, I think we began to understand why the Wolves made this trade. And so much of the discourse surrounding the trade has been about why this was an overpay by the Wolves. But that was all coming from the media, national media, but the Wolves themselves have not had the chance to explain and describe why they don't agree with that. I mean, obviously they don't agree. They they didn't need to give up everything they gave up to land Gobert. They chose to give that all up. So I think the question is why? Why did they choose to give up five first round picks, a pick swap, and a handful of productive players on reasonable contracts? You know, what about Rudy Gobert and his fit on this roster makes that a reasonable price to pay for his services? That's the question, right? And Tim Connolly answered that question in a few different ways at the press conference, but I thought this answer in the media scrum after the press conference was Connolly's sort of most to-the-point answer. Here's Connolly on why acquiring Gobert made sense, even if the price to acquire him was immense. Here's Connolly. You talk about the rarity in which guys like Rudy are made available. Is it just as rare, though, to find the team on the other end that yeah i think that's that's kind of why we got excited um you know we gave up a lot uh, there's those two ways about it tremendous draft capital really good players really good guys but when you're able to add um you know a, a guy that's as good as rudy and, and not touch um you know your top two or three players it's really really rare um and again he wants to be here and that's not saying every player wouldn't want to be in Minnesota, but every player doesn't want to be in Minnesota. So that, that's a reality we have to face and we can't run from it. And we want people that want to be here, that are proud to put the jersey on, proud to be part of the community. So when you factor in, is he available? Do we have the mechanisms to um, acquire that guy? Will he negatively impact the growth of a, a cat or a D'Lo or an Ant or um, a Jaden or um, you know, Jalen, whoever it may be? Um, and then does he want to be here? The list goes from, I don't know, 20 to one or two pretty quickly. And of, of guys you can actually acquire, it's, 
It was a list of one. That last bit from Conley is pretty to the point, right? Like he lays out the factors in his mind that make this a logical move. To go over those again, they were, is the player available? Do you think you have the mechanisms to acquire said available player? Will the available player negatively impact your core in any way? Does the player want to be here, right? Those are the four factors in Conley's eyes. And they those factors narrowed down the list of high-end players to one, Rudy Gobert. Gobert was available, not due to any sort of drop-off in his play. He was available because Utah figured their championship window with the roster they had around Gobert and Mitchell had sort of come to a close. The Wolves also did have the mechanisms to acquire him. Yes, they paid a ton in top-end draft capital to acquire Gobert, but they had that because since the D'Angelo Russell deal three seasons ago, they haven't made trades that cut into their draft picks. The picks they gave up for Russell were paid off by the 2021 draft, and so they had all their firsts available to offer. If the Wolves would have made any other sizable trade in the, what is, two and a half years since they acquired D'Lo, then they wouldn't have been able to do that. And the third factor was whether or not said star player would get in the way of your previously established core. You know, obviously there are some questions about Gobert's fit next to Cat, and we'll talk about those later, but I don't think those are concerns echoed by the Wolves front office or coaching staff. That's, you know, why it sort of passed the test for Conley. But I do think it's fair to strongly say that Gobert does not at all inhibit what they envision D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards becoming. It's pretty obvious Gobert will have a positive, a positively impactful influence on those two, and also Jade McDaniels. I think it's reasonable to say the impact of Gobert will not be prohibitive. Well, finally, they there was the fourth factor of, you know, does the player want to be here? You know, we're, we're kind of taking their word on this one, both Conley's word and Gobert's, but in what Gobert and Conley both said today, that does, well, that does seem to be the word. You know, when a player has four more years remaining on a Supermax contract, any reasonable front office is going to do their due diligence to make sure that player is contractually committed, but also mentally committed. And also as the player, as Gobert, even if you're under contract, you do still have some influence on where you can go. If if Gobert would have had serious concerns about his fit next to Cat that he thought would have been prohibitive, then he, you know, he could have put up a stink. He could have asked to be traded elsewhere. During Gobert's press conference, he openly talked about how he initially had some questions about how he and Cat would work together. But he said it took one day of thinking about it, and then he told his agent, quote, that he thought this was probably the best and most exciting situation in terms of basketball for him. So I I do get the logic of moving through those four factors. If you're Conley, there aren't any, I think, glaring conflicts in logic with any of those four factors. But I think the biggest factor that contributed to this, and Conley said it at the beginning of that answer, was that you know, pulling the trigger on this deal, as he alluded to, it, it, the reason they did it is because they were able to land Gobert without needing to trade any of their other top players. I think we, as much as we talk about the package that they gave up and how much it was, you know, they they believe that being able to hold on to Cat and Ant and D'Lo and Jaden. You know, that was the trump card here. That justified it. Yes, they gave up a crazy amount of draft capital, but they did not give up any of those players. They gave up two, 
starters in Vanderbilt and Beverly, you know, very important culture setters here in Minnesota, but also, you know, players that probably weren't long-term starters for the Wolves as they you know, envision their themselves like progressing over the next few years. I do think Conley Finch and ownership does, you know, kind of view this as like a F them pick situation, right? Like not because picks don't matter, but because picks matter less when you love your starting five and that starting five is still very young. I think that's what they feel. The priority was making this trade without giving up any of their best players. And that includes Jade McDaniels on that list, who at 21 years old on a cheap rookie contract is an extremely desirable asset out there. McDaniels was pretty clearly a sticking point in this trade. Utah wanted McDaniels and the Wolves were willing to include more picks in the deal so as to be able to keep them. I think that's a really interesting wrinkle to this move. I mean, right, like, let's pretend McDaniels is in that deal, you know, and then the Wolves don't have to give up as many picks, right? Like, if McDaniels is in, are maybe two of those firsts not going to Utah? I mean, that seems to be so much of what the, like, perception pushback was, is like five first-round picks. Well, if McDaniels is in the deal and it's only three or two or whatever it is, like, does that change the perception a little bit? I think Wolves fans who have watched McDaniels for two years hold that at similar value, but I think that really contributes to the perception here because I don't think many people understand how good Jaden McDaniels already is or you know how good he could become. That perception doesn't really matter in the eyes of the Wolves you know, front office. Of course it doesn't. But it is interesting to think about that being an alternative path that they didn't take. You know, Conley chose to keep Jaden. The question's why. I, I, I asked Conley about that today, and here's Conley on why keeping McDaniels was so important to him. Why was it important to, to keep him, and specifically how excited are you about his fit next to him? I mean, it, it was hard to train any of these guys. Um, you know, it's like Jared Vanderbilt is, is great, and he's a great, great guy, and you know, I'm, it, it hurts to give up a guy like that. Um, you know, we were up here a week ago talking about Walker Kessler, who's going to be a, a heck of a player. But um, we thought McDaniel's growth he showed last year and how unique a player he is, maybe a, a four or five position defender. Um, he, he's, a, I think, a, a near perfect fit when you have guys like Anthony and Cat are going to be, have the ball so much. And Delo's such a unique playmaker. Um, and when you think about the ability to guard at a high level, um, we think, we think Jane can be an all-league defensive player. Um, we just got the best defensive player in the in the world, so that gets gets you pretty exciting. Um, we think Ant's defensive abilities are you know are just barely scratching the surface. So um, you know you're trying to make a team, um, and when we kind of sat back and looked at what the what the starting five would look like, it seemed like the pieces fit well, and um, we just we think Jane has tremendous upside. I really do think the McDaniel's part of this is so important. Rudy Gobert is a tremendous player, but the nature of the way he plays has flaws, you know, flaws that are exacerbated by the players he's surrounded with. Gobert is a good offensive player, but he needs teammates that can put him in position to be impactful offensively. Gobert is also obviously an elite defensive player, but he's far more elite when surrounded by teammates who can, you know, capably handle their individual defensive matchups. You know, McDaniels isn't going to help the offensive side of that much, at least not right now think that offensively that job is on the rest of the core group but McDaniels significantly helps mitigate many of the defensive concerns that 
a road that, you know, that people see with Gobert as a defender in the playoffs. Had Gobert had more teammates in Utah with the defensive skill set of McDaniels, I really believe the narrative surrounding Gobert about getting, you know, quote unquote, played off the floor. I think that narrative would not exist because the lack of teammates with those defensive skills that McDaniels has were why Utah, Gobert included, but Utah as a whole team got played off the played off the floor in the playoffs these past two years. Jaden McDaniels is Gobert's biggest new weapon, I think, in helping denounce that narrative that, you know, currently shadows a, a lot of his greatness. The fit of those two together, it's going to be fascinating to track. And as much as I think the Wolves overpaid in terms of what it took to get Gobert, I personally would rather have McDaniel still on the team than have two more of those first-round picks back. I mean, that's my opinion and one you can certainly disagree with, but I think it's pretty clearly an opinion that aligns with Conley and the Wolves here, that they're thinking here and, and pulling the trigger on this move. I, I respect the logic behind the factors that Conley laid out there, and I respect the logic behind deciding to keep McDaniels out of the trade. I really do. Now, does that in and of itself justify the cost they paid to acquire Gobert by itself? No, it doesn't. You know, To justify the cost paid, we would need to know something more about how the cost was even come to, you know, that's something we're never going to truly know. What was Gobert's true market? Who were they bidding against? Was five first round picks and a swap truly necessary to outbid another team looking to acquire Gobert? And we're never going to know the answer to that. And that's because those theoretical other bidders will never make their exact bids clearly known to us. And that's, you know, that's some information we could really use to determine whether or not this was a fair price to pay. Now, what we do have is, is Conley being asked that question about who they were bidding against and what they ultimately gave up and what his response to that was. I think this answer gives, when he was asked about that, his answer gives some perspective, but doesn't give true color. And that's just because this is going to forever be, you know, inherently undefined. We're not going to know what the true color of Gobert's market was. But I do still think the answer Conley gave was informative in that it at least shed some light. Here's Conley when asked about bidding for Gobert on the market. Did you sense, Tim, that you were bidding against other teams? Sure. Yeah, I, I think we had a pretty good sense of the market. Um, I mean, his, uh, he had no shortage of suitors. We had a, a, a pretty good idea of what that might look like. And, and maybe, the you know, the biggest competitor was they didn't have to trade Rudy. Um, this was not a fire sale. This was, they really value Rudy and everything he's done. Um, he's under contractual control. So I think while we had a clear sense of maybe some of the competitors, I think maybe the biggest competitor was a Utah team that's had more wins than anyone in the West Conference the last four years. They could just sit tight and you know keep adding pieces around uh, what's a really good roster. I think if you're a Wolves fan, the first half of that answer is probably more encouraging than the second half, at least it is to me. Um, if Gobert truly had no shortage, no shortage of suitors, I think that makes you feel more confident about the idea that this was, in fact, his market value. But if one of those suitors was Utah, I think that's a little concerning because that makes it sound like Danny Ainge and Utah's management drove an effective negotiation here on their end that drove up the price. I, I just struggle with the idea that Utah was truly 
comfortable running it back with Rudy and what they had in Utah. I think it's pretty easy to put yourself in Utah's shoes and to, even if you love Gobert's impact, say saying that you want to keep Rudy on a supermax when your team is at that point, I don't, it's just hard for me to say that may, would make a ton of sense for them. I think it's reasonable to say that Utah's window to be a championship contender had closed. And at that point, I think it's just hard to justify keeping Gobert. I think they kind of had to trade Gobert. It, it's just hard for me to believe that Utah was genuine, quote unquote, as a suitor for Gobert's services. You know, if Utah made Minnesota believe that and drove up the price because of that, I think that was a pretty good bluff on their part. Again, like I said at the top, these are things impossible to truly know specifically. I just, I don't know. I, I, I get why Gobert is a wildly attractive player to have. I just don't love the process of factoring in Utah as a true bidder in factoring into that market. That's hard. It's hard for that to check out with me. So a lot to string together there. But as we sit here today, I think those are the breadcrumbs we have of how the execution of the trade went down from the Wolves perspective. Different than what we've been hearing for the past three, four days. You know, not really touched on, though, in any of that was the true basketball fit on on this roster. Because those are those are questions for Chris Finch. Finch also gave us like about 10 minutes in a side session after the press conference. And he did get into those basketball fits. So. We'll parse parse through those with some clips from Finch after we take another quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back parsing why the Wolves traded for Rudy Gobert with some more tidbits of inflow you know, that kind of came out of Wednesday's introductory press conference. And we parsed a lot of the execution of the trade before the break, sort of detailing why it cost as much as it did to acquire Gobert and why that cost made sense in the Wolves' front office's eyes. But the execution of that trade and you know the eventual revision, revisionist history of it will be determined by 
how much Gobert drives winning on the floor in Minnesota. And, you know, I mean, opening that up is a Pandora's box because it's a nuanced conversation about how to best use Gobert while also trying to maximize the other best players on this roster. It's kind of as simple as, you know, how are the Wolves going to play now? I mean, from a basketball and roster construction standpoint, it going with Rudy Gobert is just a wild diversion from the way this roster was put together by Gerson Rosas. This is a complete 180 of Rosas' vision for trying to play extremely small and fast around Cat. You know, last season we saw Finch need to deal with a roster that was crafted in that image. And, you know, to Rosas' credit and Finch's credit, it worked pretty well. Given the roster, Finch chose a way to play defense that fit a small and athletic group. He chose a way to play offense with extreme pace that fit that group. So I think a good question now is how many of those tenets of how Finch had them playing last year will remain now that Gobert's in the mix. What is going to need to be adjusted? And along those lines, I, I asked Finch about pick and roll specifically and how much more they're going to need to pick that low-hanging fruit given how much that drove Utah's offensive effectiveness when Gobert was there. Here's Finch on playing more pick and roll and other low-hanging fruit. He's kind of looking to nab here now that Gobert's in the mix. What does this change for you in terms of, you mentioned pick and roll. Yeah. Like in terms of leaning into that more, the balance of ball movement versus pick and roll, how do you kind of envision that very early? Well, I think us, you know, I think it gives us uh, many different faces. Um, We know how well D'Lo plays with the dive big. Um, Something that we've not been able to kind of maximize in his tool chest. Uh, You know, cat double teaming probably uh, is a little bit more, you know, of a pick your poison thing. Um, If we can figure out how to punish that, Um, you know, we still want to be a a pace team. We we still want to be a, uh, you know, a a movement team. I don't see that stuff changing. Like we still want to open up the floor for Anthony's attacking. Um, You know, I, I could see now like with Rudy's rebounding, maybe we can get cat in some early post-up situations. That's low hanging fruit. You know, we haven't been able to do that because he's been uh, rebounding and, and, and trailing to play where he's absolutely very good there, too. So those are some like little things as you start thinking about that get me excited, you know. So a few different things in there, but starting with pick and roll and Finch specifically naming Delo, let's start there. This should be reason, I think, for serious excitement about the Wolves offense and Rudy Gobert was the most effective role man in the NBA last season and has been up there for a number of years in Utah. If you look last season at the 10 highest volume pick and roll men in the league last year, Gobert was number one by a large margin. But Gobert being that dominant as a role finisher doesn't only benefit him. It really benefits the pick and roll ball handler as well. Gobert wasn't the wasn't only the most effective role finisher in the league last year. Utah's ball handlers as a group, were the most effective pick-and-roll finishers in the league themselves. Utah was the only team in the league last year who had their ball handlers score over a point per possession on shots out of the pick-and-roll, according to Synergy. So the Wolves are not only adding the most effective roll man finisher in the league from a year ago, they're also adding the screen setter who unlocked Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson as pick-and-roll, high-level pick-and-roll scorers and I think that's really encouraging for D'Angelo Russell the the cat D'Lo pick and roll has just 
proven to be not that dynamic. Of the 40 players who ran over 600 pick and rolls as the ball handler this season, D'Lo ranked 19th. It's middle of the pack for high volume pick and roll ball handlers. Like you want that to be higher. And the theory goes, right, that D'Lo was a far more dynamic pick and roll player when he was playing alongside Jarrett Allen, a true dive role man when those two were teammates in Brooklyn. I don't think you make this trade for Gobert while, you know, keeping D'Lo if you don't think D'Lo's productivity in pick and roll makes a pretty big leap off of where it was this season. But it's not just about D'Lo and pick and roll with Gobert. It's it's Edwards, too. You know, D'Lo ranked 19th out of the 40 highest volume pick and roll ball handlers last season. Edwards was 34th. I mean, Finch needs to not only further unlock D'Lo with Gobert, but also Edwards with Gobert. Gobert needs to have the same impact on those two that he had on Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. All that low-hanging fruit has to be picked. The question I asked Gobert during his press conference was about this specifically. Here's Gobert on what he feels he can do to further unlock Russell and Edwards as his teammates. In terms of Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, what, what do you think you can do to help further un- unlock their games as players playing next to you? Uh, first of all, get them open. You know, I think uh, uh, you know, the, the spacing that we get for them uh, with my screening, with my uh, rim gravity when I work to the basket, and, and also my, my passing that I think, you know, uh, I'm going to be able to showcase even more this year. Um, you know, all those things, I think, going to allow them to, to be even better. And uh, that coupled, obviously, with, with the spacing that Cap's going to provide, and, and, uh, and I think the way we're going to play, um, you know, they're going to, I think they're going to be able to get a lot more easy looks that they've been able to, to get uh, in previous years. And, and just, uh, you know, they haven't been throwing a lot of love over the last few years, but I think now, you know, uh, we're going to work on that. And, and uh, it's another weapon that, you know, I think is really hard to guard. And I'm really excited. There's so many things, obviously, that, can talk about that we're going to be able to do on the floor, and, and that's what's going to make us unique is that we're going to be able to have so many different weapons and so many different ways of uh, playing together. You know, that it's going to be fun. Again, we do have a proof of concept here from what Gobert was able to do in Utah with his ability to set screens that open the ball handler up and the rim gravity that opens the other players around the pick and roll action. That's not blowing smoke at all. We've seen Utah be an elite pick and roll team, and it's very apparent when you watch it, the role Gobert plays in making that so successful. He also mentions being able to, you know, show off a little bit more of his passing package here in Minnesota than he did in Utah. I mean, we'll see on that. It's not a known, but I definitely believe Finch will at least try to tap into that in the name of, you know, maintaining that ball movement that was a big tenant of their offense last season. And then, as Gobert said, you, you can't sleep on the value of Cat's shooting that will surround a Gobert and D'Lo or Gobert and Ant pick and roll. It really should be even more dynamic than it was in Utah, and Utah was already the best in the league at it. I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that Cat's skill set as a big man should make some of this integration process seamless next to Gobert. But there, there, have, there has been a lot of pushback in the public perception about how or if those two can really fit together. We're 
we're talking about this at the, the end of the episode, but I do acknowledge this is kind of bearing the lead. The fit of Kat and Gobert together is the biggest question. And that's because it's not just about those two fitting with each other. It's about those two being able to punish opponents. That's the bet you're taking here. You don't trade as much as you traded if you don't believe that pairing can be dominant. So how's it going to work? What what special sauce does Finch have? What can he draw from his time in Denver with Jokic and Nurkic playing next to each other? What can he take from what worked with Davis and Cousins in New Orleans that can be applied here? Why can these two together really work? Finch was asked about that in his side session. Here's Finch on his perspective of how to make the Cat and Gobert pairing work. Chris, how much can you draw comps to your time in New Orleans with KD and Cousins, even what Denver, Nurkic, and Jokic? Well, um, we certainly know kind of the blueprint of how it all fits together, but every one of those players' skill sets a little bit different. Um, you know, lucky to have a guy like Cat who's so versatile and gifted that you can use him in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, that makes it easy. And then obviously, uh, you know, having Rudy um, at the center of our pick and roll, um, you know, and then finding ways to be creative around that is going to be key for us. But yeah, I mean, the, the league is, you know, seemingly trending small, but when, you know, your best players are not guards and you have a guy like Cat, um, how do you augment that? And, you know, there's no better way than to go out and get the best rim protecting big in the league and try to be different every single night um, and make teams adjust to you. I was encouraged to hear Finch name the Jokic and Nurkic comp and the AD and Boogie comp as, you know, a little apples to oranges here because I just think that's true. Cat has an extremely different skill set than any of those four bigs, right? He's a floor spacer and three-point shot maker on levels that none of Jokic, Nurkic, Davis, or Cousins can compare to. That's not to say he's better than them. It's to say he's very different than them. That's just a fact. And I think that should contribute to some real belief, at least offensively, that this fit next to Gobert is pretty solvable. Cat does make that easier, given that skill set. The more open question of the fit, I think, is on the defensive end. How are these two centers who have predominantly lived in the paint on defense throughout their careers, how are they going to be able to handle a heavier volume of perimeter, perimeter defense? Because they're both going to need to do that more often than they ever have. But as soon as I start getting like caught up and concerned in that stuff, I just where I go back to the idea that Gobert has been a driver of elite defense every year of his career, pretty much irrespective of who he was surrounded by. Gobert has been that good defensively. He's a walking top 10 defense alone. So I, I go to that when I start having concerns about Gobert's defensive fit next to Cad. It's not like Derek Favors for all those years in Utah was some elite defensive partner for him. Boyan Bogdanovich, is he a super high-level defender? I don't think so. I mean, are there going to be defensive hiccups with Cat and Gobert? For sure. But will they be prohibitive? I, I really don't think so. Definitely not in the regular season. In the postseason, maybe. But that's where I go back to the Jane McDaniels thing. Being able to control the ball handler. That will help Gobert immensely in the playoffs. It was the problem in the playoffs these past two years, the surrounding personnel. It's it's also why it can't just be McDaniels. Ant needs to be better on ball this year than he was last year, something I think those of us who watched believe he's capable of. And it's also why I think guys like Kyle Anderson and maybe even Wendell Moore will be important too. I mean, Cat and Gobert being effective on defense together, I think is just as much 
about how those two communicate and mess as it is about how the perimeter defenders around them help keep them defensively insulated. I mean, if your concerns after trading for Rudy Gobert are on the defensive end, you probably don't have that big of concerns. So this is what we know as of today's presser. We have a few more breadcrumbs to poke at and think about. We had a few days there where the entire judgment of the Gobert trade was coming from the media. Now we have a little bit more perspective on the Wolves' end. We have a better idea of their judgment of the pros and cons of the move. And yes, they they know the move isn't bulletproof. We know they have some nerves and fear about this all clicking together. But we also better know they had more of a process to this, to how they went about this, right? They, they're not trying to duck the blows of the public perception. They know they paid a lot. But they believe a hell of a lot more in the upside of this move than I think the public does. And I think a lot of the logic behind that upside does check out. That's never going to change the fact that they gave up as much as they did, but it helps us glean what this will look like if it does work. What's the point of dismissing this move out of hand? I mean, that's just, (laughs) that's my perspective. Excuse me. That's not something I'm going to do. Even if you're like me and think the price they paid to get Gobert was excessive, I think in a rational mind, you can at least hear what Connolly and Finch and Gobert are saying about this all and and go, no, yeah, I can see how this could work. A lot of figuring out to do yet, but I do think the Wolves are a few steps ahead of us in that process. So let's see where they take this. All right, that's all for me today. I'm off to Summer League on Friday. First game, I think, is 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, That evening, I'll have more from you for you after that. Reacting to the Summer League games, but also hopefully grabbing a few guests when I'm there. Uh, We're not totally at the end of the road yet with this Wolves offseason. I think we still have plenty to talk about with this team. We'll continue to do that for the next few weeks here. I'll talk to you all in Vegas. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.